0: This week on Grape Encounters Radio.
1: (laughs) You know what, Cheryl? I drank mommy juice just to stay in touch with my feminine side.
2: There you go. (laughs) You'll be very popular at the playground if you bring a bottle of mommy juice. You know,
1: actually, if you bring any bottle of wine to the playground, you'll actually get arrested.
2: (laughs) That's actually true. I'm just being (laughs) facetious.
3: Peel me a grape brush me some
4: ice Give me a peach, save the fuzz for my
3: pillow.
1: All right, and it is time for your weekly grape encounter, and it is down to earth month in California. Actually, it's earth month all over the country, and nowhere is that more important than I think in the grape growing regions of California, where there are a gazillion acres of grapes planted, and so much attention being paid to the sustainability of the vineyards. of the wineries in general and the care that is given to the land. I am so pleased to have in not just neighbors of mine, but some folks who are doing some absolutely amazing things. They have been at the forefront of the sustainability movement and it started very small, I must tell you. And it has had an impact now worldwide. And so with me are two members of the Vineyard Team. And by the way, that's the name of the organization, Vineyard Team. But the These are two team members of the Vineyard Team. (laughs) Anyway, it's Chris Beal, first of all. She is the executive director of the Vineyard Team. Been there since day one.
4: Pretty much, yes. I've been there since 98, and the organization has been around since 94, working with growers on sustainability issues.
1: And then we have Beth Vukmanic lopez Never did two last names go together so sweetly. (laughs) so poorly. (laughs) (laughs) And you're the SIP certification manager. Mm -hmm. Now, the SIP certification, if you can explain what SIP stands for and what it all means, and then we're going to really try to wrap our arms around why not only it is so important, but why it results in great wine as well. How's that? (laughs) That sounds great. Okay, go for it.
3: Well, SIP stands for Sustainability in Practice, and it's a certification for vineyards and wineries. And the beauty of sustainability is it looks at what I like to call the three Ps. So the people, the planet, and the prosperity. And that's the wonderful thing about sustainability is not only are you taking care of the environment, but also the people. So the farm workers and the neighbors who are living around these lovely vineyards. So explain how
1: that is. How do you get involved in that? And what does that translate into?
3: Well, the SIP certification program looks at a lot of different aspects of how the farm workers are taken care of from the different benefits they would receive, whether it be a lot of education on how to farm, you know, properly, safely, you know, why they're doing the certain practices, different benefits that they would receive from the company.
4: Absolutely. So, you know, looking at the people part of the equation, we found that even when we were talking to consumers out there, yes, they were interested in the environmental piece, but they were really interested in how... companies were treating their employees. And so we spent a lot of time getting a lot of input from outside organizations and experts to help us craft rules that ensured that companies were taking care of the people that worked at the We vineyards.
1: do kind of separate the two, the crops versus the people, and tend to look at them as two very different entities, but they do spend a lot of time together. So let's jump into what it is that you all do, how you interact with uh, grape growers etc. Et cetera. And we're really talking more about the crop itself, not really the winemaking, correct?
3: Well, the crop itself, the vineyard certification has been around since 2008. And we've just recently piloted a winery certification as well, which looks at the processing side oh, okay. of the equation. So that's fairly new then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And yeah. It's,
4: it's fairly new and we're really excited about it. We developed that program with a lot of input from people that are interested in these sorts of issues. Right. But we've also had a wine certification. So even though the vineyards, are certified and we're certifying the fruit from a vineyard, that can go into a bottle of wine that ends up with the consumer. So people that are interested in environmental issues, in supporting companies that take care of the planet and their people, they can buy a bottle of wine that has the sip seal on it and they can really trust how that product was made and really feel good about supporting that company.
1: So the sip seal is basically a way to distinguish the wines that are made using these sustainability practices, and then you have a pretty long laundry list of things that grape growers have to do in order to get that certification. So yeah, so they got to want it, right?
4: Yeah, it's only about 100 pages worth of stuff that they have to do. <laughs> that's all. But, you know, it, it's interesting. We laugh about it. But, you know, everybody that's been involved with the program says, yes, it's hard. It's really hard to meet these requirements, and we would never want it any different. We want this to be strict, rigorous meaningful. We want the process to be free of conflict of interest, right? Right. We want this seal to mean something so that the consumer or the psalm or whoever it is can trust and know how this bottle of wine was made.
1: So I do want to focus on how this translates into quality wine because it wasn't so long ago that it was hard to find great wines that were made using these kinds of practices because it was just a very tiny group at one time of grape growers and winemakers that even cared about this. We now are learning that actually by practicing the kinds of things that you demand of the people who are a part of your certification program, they get better quality grapes. They get better fruit. And also, I think because they're willing to put in that extra effort, you're naturally going to find that the wines that they make are going to be better wines because they have a higher level of conscientiousness than, you know, maybe somebody else. Is that true? Do you find that it's the higher quality winemakers and grape growers that jump on the bandwagon first?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a really great statement, you know, and I'm looking here at our brochure and our good farmer friend, George, and he says, you know, we realize how we farm impacts everything beyond our fence line. So we work hard to protect our neighbors, our workers and our environment. Perhaps not surprisingly, working this way also helps us make better wines. I can tell you that if SIP certification hurt their fruit quality, they wouldn't do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Right? (laughs) Yeah, but it used to be that we didn't know how how to harmonize those two things, those best practices in the vineyard and have that result in great wines. I can remember back to a time when people would tell me that if you didn't use pesticides then you get all these little goobers in the vineyard that would take over your vines and you get these measly little grapes that didn't produce great wine. But now we've learned new practices and it's so fascinating for instance to look at how we use sort of natural little critters to take care of the problem or have sheep or goats or whatever grazing out in the vineyards and we take all of these different creatures of nature and work them together into an equation that translates in the end into being great custodians of land but also producing great wines.
3: Yeah, sustainability is a you know a holistic approach. So you know every aspect of farming is interrelated. So if you're taking care of the natural habitat, so like you said, you can bring in natural predators to help you deal, you know, with the pest issues that you have, or people will use falcons to help manage their pests or have owls help them deal with their gopher populations. You can encourage Beneficial insects to live, you know, within the vineyard to help you with your pest problems.
1: Okay, so let's go back to the program for a second. You talk about participation in the program in terms of acreage, right? And cases, cases of wine. I don't think people necessarily realize that you might drive past a thousand acres of grapes planted, but those might go to a bunch of different wineries. So it's really hard to make that translation between acreage and winery. It is all about the acreage. And then, is there a number that you typically put onto acreage that? Trans- translates into number of bottles. Do we know on average how many millions of gallons? How does that work?
4: Well, I mean, we have 40,000 acres that are SIP certified throughout the state. That represents hundreds of different properties represented by a lot of different organizations. And again, it's a statewide program. We're well represented in different areas. Of that, we have fruit going into 2 million cases of wine that have the SIP seal. That's a lot of wine. Okay, you
1: just covered my lot but what about the rest of the country? (laughs) I think, you know, sometimes I think when we talk about California, by the way, that in other states, when they listen to us, they go, yeah, but what about the rest of the states? But I think it's a hard thing for people to wrap their arms around that 90% or even 95% of the domestically consumed wine in America is coming from one state.
4: Yeah, but, you know, we've got these SIP certified wines that are being sold internationally and in other states. You know, we have Down to Earth Month right now, and there's a lot of really great promotions. We have a beautiful promotion going out trying. To get the word out about SIP certification and what the SIP seal looks like.
1: All right. We're going to come back and talk about this more, but Beth, can you just describe the SIP certification logo? Because you're going to find it all over the country, right? You yeah. You can definitely find it all okay, over the country. So go for it.
3: So the SIP certified logo is a round seal and it actually looks like a, a wine ring if you were to leave your glass on the table and it left oh, a little wine, wine stain. ring. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. wine stain. So it's a circle and it says SIP certified in the middle of it and then below it on the bottom within the circle, it says sustainability and practice. Okay, awesome. Hey, we're talking
1: to Chris Beal, who is the executive director of the Vineyard Team, and then also Beth Vukmanic Lopez. She is the SIP certification manager for the Vineyard Team. By the way, if somebody wants to learn more about this, you guys have an excellent website, and okay. that website is
3: yeah, sipcertified.org. If you want more information about the program and to be able to find the wines that are certified, and if you want to learn more about the Vineyard Team, we're at vineyardteam.org.
1: You know what? I think you just made a great point, and I want to encourage people go to the website, look for for those wines and drink some amazing wines that were made with the greatest respect for mother earth that's a good idea huh it's a great idea what a great way to celebrate earth day with a bottle in front of you okay all right we're going to be back with the vineyard team here on grape encounters radio so pour a
0: little sip certified wine and we'll be right back in wine there is truth and sulfites and occasionally a, a few insect parts You'll learn something every day on Grape Encounters Radio.
1: If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California Wines Down to Earth Month and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees and neighbors. And best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at DiscoverCaliforniaWines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at DiscoverCaliforniaWines.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com.
0: And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues...
4: Like a bottle of red wine, I'll warm you up. Like a bottle of wine, I'll make you feel so fine if you'll be mine.
1: All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and in the studio with me, helping us to celebrate Down to Earth Month in California, Earth Month in general, are Chris Beal. She is the executive director of the Vineyard Team, and Beth Vukmanic lopez What's Vukmanic? It's Croatian. It's Croatian. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the Croatians make such amazing wines, don't they? I know, isn't that perfect? Yeah, Plavis Mali. <laughs> are you familiar with that? Actually not. Well, here we call it Zinfandel. Zinfandel. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. I know that term. All right, yeah. You know what? There's going to be a test next time, Beth. Okay. That's an important Croatian detail for the SIP certification manager from the vineyard team. And again, we're talking about a pretty lengthy laundry list of practices that are required of the grape growers in order to get the certification. And the certification to the consumer means a level of quality. And this is from the grape production perspective, not necessarily the wine production perspective, but generally one begets the other. Can you tell me some of the things that you're requiring people to do in order to get the certification? Like, what do I got to go through and and how might that differ from the person who is not SIP certified?
3: Well, in getting SIP certified, it looks at every aspect of the farm. So uh, we would look at habitat in terms of having a conservation plan. We look at encouraging biodiversity, which we were talking about earlier, can help with pest management if you have beneficial insects, you know, living in your property. We look at uh, soil quality, which of course helps you have healthy plants. The farmers are required to have cover crop, and those are the grass. That grow between the vines that you might have seen before. Yeah, and they, sometimes
1: I see people actually go and they remove that cover crop. I never understand why they do that.
3: Well, a lot of times they will later in the season. So what those do is during the rainy season, when we get some rain here in California, is they can help keep <laughs> well, the get soil. Get what? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you heard of this thing called rain? Get rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's new. So it helps keep the soil on the ground, so it prevents erosion. And then what those plants also do is they can add nutrients into the soil. So part of what do you know how
1: many California listeners just said? God, I miss erosion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, erosion, please. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I haven't seen that
3: in a while. So why would they would actually not necessarily remove that grass at the end, you know, at the, later in the season, but they'll actually till it in. So it's providing nutrients back into the soil.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anything on the list, Chris, that you think really distinguishes the SIP certification from just whatever you feel like growing practices?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, there, it addresses energy management and irrigation like so? management. Well, it looks... at issues around your tractors, around your energy use, around your buildings. There's several different things. So, you know, again, we could literally talk here for days. No, we can't, about, actually. No, we actually <laughs> how, can't. how much time do we have? <laughs> We're
1: <laughs> right. running, running low. Yeah. So,
4: you know, we could go on and on. But I think the thing that's also important to remember is that the SIP certification program has requirements and management enhancements. And so these requirements are required. They aren't optional for people. And not only do you have to do it, but you have to provide documentation of it. You have to get an independent inspection and audit by an accredited inspector. And all of that information comes back to an independent advisory committee. So why would
1: somebody somebody do it then? I mean, it just seems like it's already hard enough to make a living as a farmer. And now I got to go through all this paperwork and I got to do all these things. And I'm going to get this seal that people may or may not notice what's in it for me as a farmer, ultimately. (laughs) <laughs> she
3: points jumped <to laughs> out <past>. to me and <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: The, I love those moments in the studio. Yeah,
3: Beth, you take it. No. I'm taking this one. So what it does is it validates what the farmer's doing. There's a lot of claims on every product imaginable out there, but there's not always something to come back to to validate that claim. So if someone says that they're SIP certified sustainable in their vineyard, the program's really transparent. You can come onto our website, SIPcertified.org, and find out exactly what that means. That's why someone goes through the program. So it helps validate that they are a sustainable farm.
1: Yeah. It, it, now, we, you, we You'd compare it to like say for instance the Michelin star ratings yeah. <laughs> or you know a A rating or something like that mm-hmm. it's 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 of that caliber
3: it is it's a it's a difficult program to get through um, and it's definitely a distinguishing certification for a vineyard to achieve and oh. we
4: definitely wanted to make it hard enough so that not everybody so that people had to work hard so that so when you got the seal it meant something it was meaningful it wasn't just sort of certifying kind of status quo practice practices that the seal meant that people were going above and beyond in terms of their farming practices, environmental practices, community practices, and human resource issues. So it was designed to be distinguishing. And, you know, it's interesting with a, lots of different claims out there, you, you would be amazed. Let's say there's a green leaf or something on a product and you're interested in, you know, if you go to that website, you should be able to find what their rules are, right. and what their standards are in the, program, you would be surprised at how many times you can't find that.
1: Okay, so you raise a very interesting question here. In just a few minutes, we're going to have on somebody who participates in the Wine Institute's program, which is different than your program. Mm -hmm. There are other programs out there. In fact, there's a whole bunch of other programs out there. Some serious, some not so serious. You know, I can say that I'm Grape Encounter certified and that might mean something, it might not, you know, depending upon what there is to back it up. But say, for instance, the Wine Institute, which does such amazing work, not just in California, California, but, you know, all over the world, really, I should say. They have their program. How do you work in concert with organizations like that? Are there other sustainability programs that, you know, you all get together and, and have a sustainability party? Or are you competitive? What is it like in your world?
4: You know, the Vineyard Team and SIP and the Wine Institute and the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance, yeah, exactly. we have all worked together, gosh, in one form or another for probably 15 years. We believe that helping growers implement practices makes the world a better place and grows better wines. There are lots of different ways to do that. And lots of different reasons to get into a self assessment or a sustainability program or a certification.
1: Each program has its own bent, right? Absolutely. I mean, in other words, its area of specialization may differ from program to program, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we so trust. So it's not like you're all trying, I don't I mean to interrupt, but it's yeah. not like you're all trying to one up each other.
4: Absolutely. And we trust people to pay the program that's going to work for them. And we know that in the end, the world is a better place because people are in these different programs. All
1: right. You guys got an event going on. I'm just going to plug it, even though not everybody is going to get on a plane and fly out to it. But an Earth Day event that's going to go on on the Central Coast, not far from here. And those kinds of events in general, I remember when the Earth Day events started popping up, you know, when I was way younger than I am now. And those were events for hippies. You know, they were. (laughs) You were Kind we've of a heard a Chris, lot though. about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, no, we've heard a lot about that, but not anymore, right? It's well, it's really interesting how the world really is embracing Earth Day, Earth Month, and all of the things that are planet friendly that we didn't embrace a while back.
4: You know, I, th- I think back to my grandma, and she was an environmentalist, and she was never a hippie, but she recycled, she saved the water in her shower, she was always trying to tread a little bit lighter. You know, she was a Depression-era person, but you would never call her an environmentalist.
1: All right. So glad to have you guys in here. Chris Beal, Executive Director of the Vineyard Team, and then Beth Bukmonik-Lopez. Check out the Vineyard Team at vineyardteam.org or on Facebook.
4: Yeah, actually, if you want to learn more about SIP Certified Wines, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Zip Certified. You can see what the seal looks like. You can see what some of our promotions are looking like, where you get wine. But
1: can they see what you and Beth look like?
4: I think there are pictures. Okay, all right.
1: (laughs) We will be back with more Grip Encounters right after this, including a visit to the La Chance Winery, which is in Monterey County, California, when we return.
0: Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe you are listening to grape encounters radio with david wilson broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic atascadero centrally located in the central coast wine country of san luis obispo county california
1: living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of california Raven Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com.
0: Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues.
1: Encounters Radio, And every year at this time, we have to talk about a particular topic that is near and dear to me. It is down to earth month in California. Now I know I know what you're saying. I talk way too much about California wine. But you know what, let's get this straight. California produces at least 90% of the wine that is domestically consumed in the United States. So why wouldn't you talk about California and wine? Well, what's important about Down to Earth Month is the subject of sustainability Now, you know, you probably look at a vineyard and think to yourself, you know, it doesn't have much impact on the environment. But the reality is, is all crops have an impact on the environment. And probably the most conscientious people on the planet are the people who grow grapes. Now, one such place is clos Chance, which is in... The Central Coast, well, I should say on the Central Coast of California. And I'm so pleased to have on the line now Cheryl Murphy Dersey, who is part of the family that started Clotilde Schaunts. And Cheryl, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm enjoying being here. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs>
2: Maybe I won't enjoy it later. (laughs) And I
1: doubt that. I doubt that. Anyway, we are the hot tub of wine shows. That's what we are.
2: Anyway, so... Uh, I like hot tubs. Good. uh,
1: Okay. So, Cheryl, let's talk about, first of all, where you are to kind of give people a perspective on Clovis lachance because you're not in the Napa Valley. You're on the Central Coast, and that's what you and I have in common, because the wine show emanates from the Central Coast. But we're quite a ways from you, I don't know if people really realize how big the Central Coast wine country is. So let's start there, shall we?
2: Yeah, sure. We we would really be considered the northern Central Coast. We're kind of, you know, not very far from where the border of the North Coast starts. We're in a small town called San Martin, and that is located kind of in between Monterey and San Francisco. That gives people a lot of perspective. When you're going on the 101 and you're going north, halfway, you know, between Monterey and San Francisco, you'll find San Martín.
1: Now, there are a bunch of people in Gilroy that were just offended by that because you're pretty close to (laughs) Gilroy.
2: You're pretty close to, fairly close to Gilroy. But sometimes when I'm talking to people outside of California, they don't necessarily know about Gilroy. But
1: Is that garlic I smell?
2: <laughs> that is garlic. And it's funny because you can smell it. I even I live about 25 minutes north of the winery and when they're harvesting garlic, I can smell it at my house. You can smell it everywhere. Okay, so, it smells good. I like that smell. Okay, so. we we got to let people in
1: on the secret here. So Gilroy is the garlic capital, at least of America and I guess maybe of the world. I don't know.
2: I would thank the world. I've They have that Gilroy Garlic Festival where they have Things like garlic ice cream and all kinds of garlic delicacies. Have you gone to that? I have not, but we've toured there before.
1: Okay, all right. But you do have wines that pair nicely with garlic, I imagine.
2: We sure do. What doesn't pair nicely with garlic? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. All
1: right, so I think what's interesting about the Central Coast wine country is the fact that. You know, in reality, it starts way down in, well, let's say Santa Barbara or even Ojai, Mm -hmm. which is way down the coast, not, you know, maybe about an hour north of Los Angeles. And then Mm -hmm. really, for the most part, once you get to the Santa Ynez Valley, which is about 45 minutes north of Santa Barbara, it is grapes, really, isn't it? All the way up to Monterey. At least.
2: It really is. It's amazing. And it's really, just in the last 15 years since I've been doing that drive more often, there's more and more grapes that have been put in. And it's really a beautiful drive because you're just going through vineyards. I
1: don't think people really realize the magnitude of the California wine industry because, you know, when we talk about from Santa Barbara to Monterey, I'm not sure how how far that is, but it's at least a couple hundred miles. Oh, yeah, absolutely. it's 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 a really long distance, and there are very few areas between those two cities that don't have grapes growing in them. So when we talk about how much wine is consumed, that is California wine in America. That gives you a pretty good idea, and that's just one wine region. And then you get up to Napa and Sonoma, and then you get up to Lodi and, and you yeah. know, Mendocino County and Lake County, and it, you know it's pretty amazing. But you're really kind of right in the middle of everything. And, uh, Chloe Lachance, now, did you start off as being a sustainable winery, first of all? And can you do me a favor and explain to people out there what sustainable means?
2: Sure. You know, I I get a lot of questions about that at various dinners and in our tasting room. while We're talking, what does sustainable mean? And I have a simple answer and I have a complex answer. The simple answer is leaving things in terms of the environment and your surroundings better than how you found them. So you're constantly driving to be better, uh, in terms of the environment around you, the people you work with. All of those things that's taken into consideration. It's it's environmentally sound, economically sound, and socially sound. Those are the three kind of touch points of sustainability.
1: Okay, so that's the simple answer. So I'm hesitating, but I'm going to ask. So what is the more complicated answer?
2: Well, the more complicated answer. I mean, I guess I would say you're taking the impact of the entire business, and that includes those three things. The you know you're socially equitable, economically feasible, and environmentally sound. Taking all three of those things into consideration when running your business and thinking of it in terms of the bigger picture and how to consistently get better. So, so um, the Sustainable Wine Growing Association that I work with, which is the Wine Institute, they have a workbook where you literally grade yourself and then you have a third party co- you know, consultant come in as an auditor and look at your grades. And then every year, you need to get a better grade.
1: Okay, so it seems to me easy to understand why sustainability is important for the land, but how does it help you as winemakers?
2: Well, I mean, I'm a family-owned organization. My, my parents started this winery. My sister and I work here. I have two kids. She has two kids. Our Ultimately, our goal is for our children to take over our business. You can't do that if you're not going to respect the land and respect the environment around you. That's where I would leave that. That makes sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. And you know what's really funny to me is that, and I heard some discussion about this on, you know, of all things, a talk radio show that... Had nothing to do with wine, but somebody made the point that back in the 50s and the 60s, and even before that, you know, we tend to look back at those times as being the good old days when we respected the land more. But the reality is, is we respect the land way more today than we ever oh, yeah. did in those times, you know. And I think people kind of don't get that. Do you agree?
2: I absolutely agree. You ever watch that show, Mad Men? Yes. Yeah. So there was an episode of Mad Men where the family and the kids, they all went out, you know, in the new car and had a picnic and they're sitting down at the picnic table or the picnic blanket, and they're eating, and they're drinking their Cokes out of the bottle or whatever. And then at the end of the picnic, the dad picks up, you know, Dawn Draper the dad picks up the picnic blanket and just kind of brushes the trash off, and then they all leave and go into the car. So they just leave the trash there. And I, to me, that's kind of indicative of how things used to be. There wasn't as much concern about littering and environmental concerns in general. Right. And, yes, yeah, so much better now just because you have – a lot of things happening, more people, more pollution, more, you know, you look at what's happening in China and what's happening with, you know, uh, various global warming conditions, and it's something that people need to pay attention to. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We're talking to Cheryl murphy Dersey. She is marketing director, I guess is your exact title, VP of marketing at Clueless Chants, and that is on the central coast of California. And talking about down-to-earth month, which is A really, really big deal in California. And, you know, every time you take a sip of a California wine, you might consider the fact that there's a a huge number now, a huge percentage of California wineries that are really on board where respect for the land is concerned, where sustainability is concerned. So you can feel really good about drinking those wines. Now, speaking of feeling really good about drinking wine, Cheryl, you had for a while a label that resonated with a lot of women. You were the creator of mommy juice. <laughs> can't
2: even, I was. I can't even yeah. say it. I can't
1: <laughs> say it with a straight face. Mommy juice.
2: <laughs> I know. It was actually completely inspired by my two kids. This was, gosh, like five or six years ago. You know, I'm, I'm in the wine industry. I come home at night. I have a glass of wine or two. And my kids were, you know, saying, hey, what's that? What's that? Oh, it's mommy's juice. That was kind of a thing in our house. <laughs> and just one of those, one day I said, hey, that's like, a, that'd be a really cute idea for a label. So I did the research, put together a design, and we came out with mommy juice. We we initially, it was great success because we did some business with local targets, which was like the perfect market for that. And we, we had a good run for about two or three years. And then just with the way distribution is and with the way the market has changed a little bit, we've kind of let it run its course. But I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Mommy Wines. Well, I think
1: there's a balance that's hard to strike when it comes to putting out wines that are very, very economically priced and also of a high quality. It's almost impossible to do that unless you're literally dealing in millions of gallons and you are
2: exactly,
1: and, and you're a much smaller winery than that. And so, I, I can imagine where that would not be feasible. But I do want to come back and talk to you a bit about a book that you authored. Yeah. And, hey, by the way, does mommy juice make parenting more sustainable? <laughs>
2: Uh, Wine makes parenting more sustainable. (laughs) It makes it definitely more feasible in terms of my environment at my home and mom's happiness.
1: (laughs) Okay, all right. We're we're talking to Cheryl murphy Dersey. She is VP of Marketing for Clos-Lachance on the central coast of California. A really, really wonderful winery in a wonderful environment. I know it well because I drive past it about once a week and so glad to be talking Mm -hmm. about Down to Earth Month in California. And we'll get into some interesting stats about Down to Earth Month in just a moment. When we return with Grape Encounters Radio and my guest, Cheryl Murphy-Dursey.
3: Yes, it all depends on how you drink the wine.
1: If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California Wines Down to Earth Month, and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world, with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees, and neighbors, and best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at discovercaliforniawines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at discovercaliforniawines.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now, I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at grapeencounters.com. That's grape, encounters, like closeencounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com.
4: Like a bottle of red wine Or maybe two
0: He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends. Open up, you'll
4: find The possibilities Together we can grow Like a deep
0: merlot
1: all right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. So glad to have on the line Cheryl Murphy Dursey. She's actually somebody I've wanted to talk to for a long time because she was responsible for something that I drank religiously—a wine called Mommy Juice. Alas, <laughs> you know what, Cheryl? I drank Mommy Juice just to stay in touch with my feminine side.
2: There you go. <laughs> you'll be very popular at a playground if you bring a bottle of Mommy Juice. You know,
1: actually, if you bring any bottle of wine to the playground, you'll actually get arrested. <laughs>
2: That's actually true. I'm just being <laughs> facetious. Hey, what do you
1: think about the general concept of marketing toward women? Mommy Juice obviously is not something mm-hmm. that a professional wrestler is going to walk into the store and buy probably. Unless that is it, correct. Y- unless that was
2: cro- one of the reasons how it came to be was I was you know, looking for something to market directly towards women. But let me
1: ask you this. When a wine is directed toward a gender, is the wine different or is it just the label that's different? Because I think a lot of people wonder about about that when they walk into the store and they see Little Black Dress or wines like that.
2: Right. Yeah, I didn't make it that way because I was making a wine that, I mean, part of kind of my whole message was that wine that's fun can also taste good and be a high-quality wine. You know, some of the wines that I've tasted that are pretty much marketed towards women, which I've tried before, they are different from other wines that I've had. I mean, I tend to stick with a lot of small family wineries and their wines just because that's part of the world that I'm in. Yeah. But... I think it's kind of overall what this industry is all about is you have the family-owned, the sustainable, the smaller wineries, you know, they have their brand or their one or two brands. And then you have the big giants that have, you know, 150 brands. They're making formulas and doing things that are different based on, you know, who they're marketing to.
1: Tell me what kind of wines you're making there at Clola Chance.
2: Sure. We have about 150 acres of estate grape and we grow uh, mostly Bordeaux and Rhone varietals. We also have a little bit of Zinfandel. We make great cabs. We have a mar- Low, we have a Meritage. And then the whites, we have a Sauvignon Blanc. That's awesome. And then I love one of my, my favorites is our Rhone's, which we sell pretty much all direct through our wine club and out of our tasting room. We have a Grenache, a Mouvédre, a Viognier, a Syrah, and then a couple of Rhone blends. My favorite being uh, Lila's Cuvée, which we make about 250 cases of. And that's named after my daughter. Her name is Lila. Your daughter's got a wine named after her? It's the best teacher gift ever.
1: Wow. Do you have one child, or two, or three, or what do you got?
2: I have two kids. Uh, my son is AJ and he's 12, and then my daughter, Lila, is nine. And Lila's Cuvette, kind of the story where that name came from, was I had just had Lila. And, I, you know, I'm the marketing person. We're a very small company. There was no such thing as maternity leave. My dad was emailing me, you know, 10 times a day. Oh, I know you're on break, but, but, but. And one of the things I needed to do was get the label, you know, the back label text and the label developed for our new Rhone Blend, which was coming out of the estate vineyard here. And while I was pregnant, I had submitted to the TTB uh, Rhone Blend. I called it Rhone Blend. Well, you can't do that. That. You know, like, you can't call us California Sparkling Wine a Champagne. You can't call something right. uh, a Burgundy or a Bordeaux. So, I, you know, I, my pregnancy brain, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't call it that. So I had to come up with the name really quickly. And so I just kind of looked around. I'm like, oh, there's Lila. Lila's Cuvée. Perfect.
1: So tell me how your kids get involved in the wine business. You know, there's a certain reverence I think, that parents who are in the wine business pass along to their kids. How conscious are you of doing that? And how do you get small children involved in the wine business and, and teach them, especially about this concept of respecting the land and, you sure. know, at least keeping the land in the same shape you've got it or returning the land in better condition than when you got there?
2: Sure. You know, clearly the kids have spent some time here at the winery. My son has been doing punch downs during harvest since he was three years old, and ever since both kids could walk, Papa, which is my dad and their grandfather, would take them on walks through the vineyard at all times of the year. So they really got to see the grapes budding out, all of that kind of stuff. They'd seen the seasons and how it affects the vineyards from a very, very young age. In fact, I have a great video of my son when he was about three and could, you know, was wasn't speaking that clearly, talking to one of his friends about why the grapes didn't taste good yet because they were not purple yet. (laughs) So they they really got to understand, you know, ripeness and flavors of grapes from an early age because they would eat them right off the vine.
1: I'm always curious about how parents who own wineries feel about their children not just experiencing the winemaking process, but even tasting the wine. Because obviously in in Europe, it's very different. It's very common to to give the children a little taste of wine, mix it with a little water. But it's kind of weird here in the States because we are a little paranoid about such things. Yeah. But, you know... Share your thoughts.
2: Sure. Well, when my, when my kids were, you know, at the toddler age, they would always say, oh, finger dip, finger dip. So, we would you know, they would like dip a finger and, you know, taste what I had in my glass. And, oh, I want more, I want more. And you would say, no, 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 that's, that's enough. And then once they get to be a certain age, I feel like their palates develop and the taste of alcohol, they don't like it. So, you know, we've offered the kids a taste and they don't like it. Part of being in the industry, we've really been working on their palates for food and making sure that they're trying a lot of different things. You know, my daughter loves raw oysters and escargot. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. She started eating oysters when she was like five, and she just lo- she loves the flavor. She loves the salty flavor of a good oyster. So, you know, I'm a foodie. I'm a wine person. That, to me, is really important to start at an early age because then we can go out to great dinners and take the kids with us, and they can experience a lot of really fun things with us.
1: You know what? I think that is a very interesting strategy is to start your kids out on food and develop mm-hmm. a food palette even before a wine palette. It makes a lot of sense, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before.
2: Both my kids are pretty adventurous when it comes to food.
1: Wow. Well, we are running out of time, unfortunately, Cheryl, but this is Down to Earth Month in California and wineries like yours across the state are all doing special events and they have all kinds of special programs for Down to Earth Month. And that's all available on the Wine Institute's website, right?
2: Yeah, discovercaliforniawines.com. You can find out about what people are doing to celebrate Down to Earth Month. For example, we have a a VIP tour and taste Thing that's going to focus on our sustainability program specifically here at Colachan. Uh, so we talk a lot about our recycling water program. We have a couple of wastewater ponds that we'll take people down to and show them what we do to recycle our water from the winery that goes into the vineyard. Uh, we talk a lot about our bird control, uh, which people find really interesting because we have motion activated bird distress calls versus netting, so that keeps the birds away, but it doesn't hurt them. So yeah, so you should definitely check out that website, come by some of the wineries and see some of the new and innovative things that they're doing. Yeah,
1: and I can just tell you this, there is a massive laundry list of wineries that are doing very special events, and if there was ever a time for you to come out to California, if you're not already in California, this is definitely the time to do it. So, definitely check it out at the Wine Institute's website. Again, that website is, Cheryl? It
2: is discovercaliforniawines.com. Cheryl, hey,
1: it's been great having you on. How about a little plug for Clola Chance, please? Sure. So,
2: uh, Clola Chance, we you know located in San Martin. We're open every day for tasting. Uh, WW www.clo.com and then you mentioned my book earlier which is parent pairing and that is really a book about pairing wine with the joys of parenthood so you can find that on amazon.com pairing wine
1: (laughs) pairing wine with parenting okay that's going to do it for grape encounters
2: we'll see you next week